0: Gentlemen, welcome back to the Woody Allen Retrospective right here on PlanetTower.com. I'm your host, Donald Wonder, and I'm joined once again by my co-host slash assistant,
1: Simon L. Trumpo-Rad. Assistant? You're my assistant, motherfucker.
0: (laughs) You wish, motherfucker, you're on my podcast, goddammit.
1: Yeah, and you edit my content. So there you go. You can can edit that intro to, you know, correct your foolishness. You're going to see how much you're going to edit that shit when you hear it. (laughs)
0: In the final edit, but guys, thanks for listening. If you were here last time on the Woody Allen retrospective, you saw us talk about that Woody Allen movie that me and Simon kind of had a disagreement on Shadows and Fog. Click on the top right hand corner if you want to go back and watch that discussion.
1: You, You still got something to say about that one, Simon? Well, we didn't really have a disagreement. It was just, I was right and you were wrong. That's all. That's, that's not really a disagreement. That's just a fact. Sure, Simon. Sure, Simon.
0: Time will tell. And so does the IMD and Rotten tomorrow' school. The movie was garbage. No, it was okay. I just didn't like it. We Go back, go back and this is that discussion, guys. We're not going to go on down that road again. Anyway, guys, don't forget, we have a website where we've got all the Woody Allen videos now. It's called com. It's a WordPress site. It's very basic, but people like it. It's very convenient for you, so... Go there if you want to go back into our catalogue of previous Woody Allen discussions. You're obviously listening to this either on YouTube or podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio and Android. We thank you podcast listeners. We always appreciate you guys because you guys are bringing in those real numbers. So before we get started guys, we remind you on every single recording that when we talk about these movies, they're spoiler discussions. We get into the nitty gritty, whether we're praising the movie, criticising it. we ruined the whole plot line, so we'd prefer you to watch the movie first then come and join us while we talk about the movie in detail. If you don't care and you just like hearing us entertain you with our comments and queries and our thoughts on the movie, stay tuned and we're going to get into it. And the next movie we're going to get into, which Simon is going to introduce, is a very special one for a very special reason.
1: Oh, for many reasons, actually. But uh, let's start with the obvious one. This is, a, by default, Mia Farrow's Swan Song, the last uh, Woody Allen and Mia Farrow collaboration. 1992's Husbands and Wives very appropriately titled as well isn't it since they never
0: got married yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: we're gonna you know I'm gonna try to keep the digs separate because we're gonna do something else about this I'm gonna try to keep the Woody Allen yeah. and me and were digs separate
1: from this review so carry on Simon and honestly it's not a movie that needs it because we talked about how Woody writes certain personal stuff in there and he wants to replicate some of the stuff Ingmar Bergman did with his wife you know collaborating with his wife and his movies. Sure. But this one, you know, we arrived. I spoke about this before. The 90s is a different era for Woody Allen. We went through the the drowsy, you know, 80s, lots of depressing movies, lots of uh, similar attempts of escapism, even though he switched up the films, it was just, uh, like the mood was similar, but in the 90s he just grew as a director. And husband's and wife, this to me is a really really good one. A really really good deconstruction. Of relationships. I would say probably his best since any hall, but different from any hall because this is a a more serious movie, but still fun and entertaining. Yeah. The plot is simple, but at the same time very multi-layered and very character driven. Mm -hmm. Woody and Mia, of course, play a couple who are Not that different from what you expect Woody to ride himself into a movie for. Mm -hmm. They've been together. Mia Farrow's character already had a child. And they were planning on having kids of their own. But Woody's character, Gabe, wasn't really up for it. While Mia Farrow's character, Judy, was pushing for it. And they go through their usual banter in the beginning of the movie. Woody, of course, as a a form of a rider and a teacher in this one. Who fancies to write a new novel of his own and is very critical and a very high thinker and kind of pessimistic, while Judy's a more positive personality, but she's also shy, and they have slight disagreements on where the relationship stands, but at least they got their friends. And this is when the movie kicks in. So legendary director Sidney Polak plays Jack, and Judy Davis plays Sally, his wife, and they're basically... Woody's and Mia's best friends, like the other couple, the model couple, you know, when when you're in a relationship, you have that couple who are not only the friends of both you and your partners, but also you kind of look up to them. Like they're like the example you want to follow. You look at them and it's like, that's a good relationship. That's a good marriage. Well, right off the bat, first scene, they come for dinner and they announce that they're separating. Hmm. Just point blank. And that's really where the movie kicks in. And... I got to say, this really shows that Woody Allen is a freaking master filmmaker. He's an absolute genius. Anybody that criticizes Woody Allen needs to watch movies like this because this is really material that suits him. He's really in his element. It's not one of his escapist or experimental movies where he's just depressing or pessimistic. This time he's realistic, and for somebody who excels in deconstructing relationships and the human condition, he's on a roll. I think the whole of Sex in the City was just ripped off from this movie. Because what Ooh. he does, suddenly he flips everything around and turns the movie into an interview session. So all the characters, we see them with probably therapists or just talking at the camera, presumably somebody recording And almost narrating the story to a certain extent. So somebody's writing a a novel or, or some sort of backtrack of what's going on. So that propels the story forward. And this gives us, as the audience, a chance to really learn about the characters firsthand. So they actually speak about their feelings, their past experiences. Woody's character goes on about his past relationships and what drives him towards new relationships and what he finds attractive. Same thing with Mia Farrow's character. She speaks about why she was so upset when uh, the other couple, their best friends, announce that they're separating. Then, of course, Sidney Pollack and Judy Davis's character go on about how they got to that point. And it's really freaking interesting. And it's very, very well written. It's very realistic. And uh, just to throw in a little extra in there, Juliet Lewis is in the movie, playing a character called Rain. And this is where I think Woody crosses over to extreme realism because he plays sort of the love interest in the movie in the form of a very very young student of woody allen's character <laughs> and i know you got a lot to say about that because that echoes a lot of stuff that's going on in woody allen's life in reality at this point
0: well hey, 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 let's be honest this isn't the first time woody allen has another younger temptress love Interest in his movie, he did this in Manhattan as well. It might have even been yeah, more questionable
1: in Manhattan. In this one, though, it's in dire contrast to him being somebody's, you know, quote unquote long term husband, boyfriend, you know, sure.
0: So it's more, it's more infidelity, it's more in what's it's, it's more closer to himself, you know? oh, <laughs> Simon, this I told you we're not going there, but before we talk about some of the more story elements, let me just jump on something you mentioned before. I have to echo more or less 100% everything you said. This movie really does show you, again, Woody hasn't lost it. And I think over the last five or six years, the last couple of movies, they were kind of hit and miss. He did a movie that, the two movies Nobody Liked with September and Another Woman. And then he came out with that hit, Crimes and Misdemeanors that Everybody Loved. Then he came back with Alice that Nobody Liked. Then he comes back... With another movie, one's kind of like Shadows on Fog. And then he comes back with this. The reason why this one in particular, I think, is gold is because the main thing that will just really grab your attention is the direction, in particular, the freehand camera work. Woody deciding, and he said this when he was conceptually coming up with the idea, I wanted to make a story where the story is the most important thing and I wanted to track away... For my normal filmmaking techniques, because I know you know he knew all the things to do, how to how to frame a shot, how to shoot a scene, how to do not things. He said, This time I'm throwing all of that away. I'm using a freehand camera, I'm going longer on shots, I'm going go behind people when I shouldn't. People not gonna be standing right. I want it to feel more real. And because he's done stories like this in the past, I will say again, I know people don't like it when I say this, and you said this just a moment ago. This is another story which we've kind of visiting similar elements, improved upon. For the last, I think there's three movies where I said that Hannah and the sisters, I like the family element, I don't like the Woody comedy element, I don't think they gel well, when Crime mis- uh, Crime mis- Means again, we've got really good drama, but then he's got this comedy element again. This is the one where I think, like, yes, cut away the comedy stuff and just focus on the drama. This is the one where I'm like, he did the, the, the superior element of what i what did Hannah and the sisters and Crimes and Misdemeanors, minus the murder, and just focused on the drama between the marriage and the couples. And it worked so well because, like you said, the interview style with getting behind the scenes to hear what the characters are thinking behind them. It's genius. It's like some MTV shit before MTV was doing the real world. <laughs> and to see this old man, Woody Allen, doing it, he's in the movie as well. He's acting really good. He, I mean, Woody Allen... He might play the same character in just slightly different variations, but he's a good actor and he's very convincing. There's a lot of scenes with him and Mia Farrow in the beginning, as you said, and I want you to comment on this as well, where the movie ultimately flip-flops, where basically it starts out with Woody Allen and his wife are kind of... Well, the movie shows you that they're the stable ones and we're meeting this other couple their friends that are going through a breakup, but by the end, it kind of flips on his head and the whole movie explores how they... Better understand each other and and it just explores the whole breakup and the trials and tribulations they go through. And that's what the whole movie's about. In the in there's so much to, there's so much to praise about this movie. I'll i put my cards out right now. It's in my top ten Woody Allen movies.
1: Oh yeah. Definitely. And
0: and it's um it came at the opportune time, which I'm not gonna get into too much, but because Woody Allen controversy was at the peak, it just came out and all the stuff, the studio don't usually market his movies wide, but because he was getting so much coverage in his personal life anyway, <laughs> and he came out with this movie, it was really the it was the marketing magic. I don't even think Woody Allen was hating on that, to be honest with you, and it didn't stop him from making any other movies. But when this movie came out, there was so much hype for Woody Allen, and you got a good movie that deals with infidelity and in relationships as well. I mean, it's just like it's kismet. This all the pieces came together. And uh, yeah, I want to I want you to talk about some of the other things as well before I jump on because I don't want to
1: ramble too much. This movie is a damn confession note. That's that's what it is. That's this is Woody Allen's confession. I mean, he was dropping hints before sure. about you know his views on cheating and why separation sometimes is the best choice and hmm. his view on on you know how sometimes you separate and the female counterpart is lost first and they take it as a hard blow. But then at the end, they're the ones who find happiness and the male character is miserable, which I'm sure is kind of the, the self martyr Woody Allen persona taking control of the yeah. narrative. But ultimately this is one of the movies I've already seen many times, right? This wasn't my first viewing. I saw this as a young kid. I was maybe in high school. Okay. And, and, I loved this movie then, the first time around, and I still love it. In fact, when I first saw this movie, I thought it was made later. I thought this was him kind of addressing his own controversy and going back and writing a movie about his own personal experience. Because, mm. you know, I'd, like I said, Juliet Lewis is in the movie, who was, of course, big of all the tarantino movies and yeah. collaborations she did dust till dawn the tarantino road produced was in the movie natural then, born uh, killers natural born killers also written by tarantino i think yeah. in
0: californication with brad pitt as well right
1: yeah yeah, yeah. that's where she actually dated brad pitt for a while so she was a huge in the 90s she was and i always thought she was ditzy that like every movie i've
0: seen her, but this was the I, I i'm not trying to insult her because this was the first movie i've seen her in after all the other movies but I'm like, wow, she's a really good actress because she's playing someone well, yeah. very intelligent, a very intelligent student. Her and Woody have some great dialogue going back and forth against each other, even though they have a semi-romantic relationship that kind of develops as the movie goes on. I thought her character was very well developed, and for a fe- Woody and other like young female character being very naive, like the the girl in Manhattan, this one, honestly, she turns out to be she has a scene with Woody Allen where she's telling Woody Allen how she dated all these older guys
1: that scene is so funny she's not not what you expect no no. she's a she's a character of surprises and she even criticised
0: Woody Allen on his book and that scene
1: that's leading up to I mean once again Woody being just ahead of his time because to me when I actually looked up when the movie was made I'm like he is kind of a Discovering Juliet Lewis, you know, like this. Yeah. This was made in 1992 before any of those movies we just mentioned. So again, Correct. Woody just finding gems left and right. Yeah, her performance is great. She she has to be kind of this. I wouldn't say seducing, but you gotta identify Woody's character finding this girl very interesting, very attractive. Yeah. Woody makes a point with all his, you know, uh confession moments when when his character is talking to the camera, talking to the therapist, and through the therapist to the camera, to always say. Women are exciting, interesting. He also calls them attractive, but first he wants to lay down the groundwork. It's not just about the physical. And Juliet Lewis nails that. She's very sexy without being overtly attractive. Like the character doesn't have to look perfect in every single shot. She looks very natural and very kind of very everyday. Like you would, you can picture her walking out of a school any given time or a university. But she's also just very sexy, This the, the way she moves her hair and her neck and, yeah. and just small things are just very erotic and very yeah. intriguing, yeah. Uh, coupled with the perfect matching personality that's just flirty but also smart and independent enough to just be really attractive. And like you said, in one particular scene, she literally calls out Woody Young's character on all the cliches yes. he writes in his book Yes. There are woody and cliches, being blase about relationships, you know, being overtly sarcastic and pessimistic and treating women in a certain light where they're all either hysterical or they're lost in the world and needing of a fodder figure or a, you know a a husband boyfriend who's sort of a mentor and she's like you know don't you think that's, a, that's this kind of misogynistic or one dimensional you're kind of limiting your range <laughs> it's kind of like Woody critiquing himself yeah. through creating a female character I mean it's just a great little moment and almost like a meta narrative 100%
0: that's exactly what I was going to say it's very meta and for him to be able to write that so well on himself was very commendable and for him to pick picture yeah, Lewis, to, to deliver that to him was just a perfect I mean and you know what's so funny we're praising Juliette Lewis so much and the the consensus of the movie, she's not the person that people love the most in the movie. It's actually Judy Davis who was nominated for an Oscar for this part, which is uh, Woody Allen and Mia Farrow's friend's wife that are breaking up. Her, she's the one everyone loves in the movie. She got the Oscar nomination. I think she's good in the movie but her character is neurotic and kind of annoying but her performance is good because she's a, kind of a motormouth mouth and there's scenes where she goes on rants, having arguments with her husband over the phone. I get it why people nominated her for the Oscar because
1: I for the first part everybody of the movie, else was blacklisted at the time. You know? <laughs> Woody and Mia Farrow were basically like, "No, no, don't, don't, don't put them in the same room together." You, you know, so that's
0: a very funny point you bring. In. I never really thought of that actually. <laughs>
1: they were like you know what let's just tell them by mail okay you know just give her the nomination and they can they can catch it on video
0: i don't want to downplay Judy Judy davis's um role or performance in this movie No, no 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 oscar worthy i don't know because i think what she's going through as a character is very interesting and obviously she voices all her frustrations out on the breakup, especially with Liam Neeson's character, which we'll get to in a minute. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, that, That's another another thing, yeah, actually. And, yeah, yeah, go on.
0: And I just think that's why people really love Judy, Judy Davis' character. Cause I don't think you ever heard a female character speak about the breakup so much on their point of view, and she's so angry. And I should have mentioned this before, this movie, without a doubt, I think it's notable for one of Woody Allen's most... How do I say this? It's got the most profanity. It, they a hell oh, yeah, they, of a lot They curse a lot. They curse, they curse a, a lot. But it's, it's very There's organic.
1: No, There's no Michael Caine character in here who just like, "Am I upsetting you? Do you feel perplexed?" Everybody's like, "You motherfucker!" Judy Davis fucking ruined my life. You fucking pig. Judy Davis goes for it.
0: Yeah, Judy Davis goes for it on the phone. She's swearing up and down and. It, it was it was organic. It made sense. It it took a it took a few people back because the swear in this movie is definitely some late 90s shit for 1992. But yeah, but uh, yeah, Judy Davis she's good. Oscar worthy. I don't know personally. I would say Judy G- Lewis more, but. I miss she's kind of a first time actress at the time. They wouldn't just give it to her, and her performance isn't Oscar worthy. It's just really, really well done. So, well, if you
1: know, I'll, I'll say this if yeah. this was made today and that was Jennifer Lawrence, they probably would have gave it to yeah, her because yeah, yeah. you know, nowadays that's good marketing because sure. you get a younger demographic to tune into the show. So, sure. it's also politics, and I think that's with Julie Davis as well. She's a terrific actress, and sometimes yeah. they view these things as sort of a... almost like a lifetime achievement award, yeah, you know. So you, yeah. you, you get a collection of great movies and then they they're like okay this year you get it actually 1992 is when al pacino got his first oscar you know mm-hmm. the guy who did freaking godfather 1 godfather 2 serpico dog of the afternoon he got his oscar 20 years after that in 1992 for a a woman sure. so yeah 1992 was you know the compilation oscars so this is this is the
0: iou oscar
1: <laughs> <laughs> like yeah saying. this is the iou oscar yeah iou nomination in this case but you brought up something great, another terrific uh, thing that Woody does in this movie, and for better or worse, because his relationship drama that upsets the you know, the Woody Allen family productions status quo <laughs> that we saw in the '80s, yeah. he finally starts switching people out. I mean, yes. the Sydney Pollack character is basically, you know Tony Roberts, and we all love Tony Roberts. He's a great actor, done his fair share of classic movies, done his fair share of classic Woody Allen movies. And he could have played this part, but Sidney Pollack brings kind of a more negative aspect to, to this character. He's yeah. not as likable as Tony Roberts would Is, be. Isn't he more like Judah from Crimes and Misdemeanors I think about it? A, a little bit. He, he He's a, a bit more raw and he needs to be because he, he will go through some a lot of aggravation, basically. And also, Liam Neeson, who's, of course, American. He's not Irish. <laughs> <laughs> he's a... He's a, he's a Thank you. I'm Liam. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I'm not going to try to do an Irish accent anymore. But Liam Neeson, another gem who Woody Allen just used way before Liam Neeson was the star yeah. he is today. He did Darkman, I guess that counts or something. But that's basically a Sam Waterstone character. Sam mm-hmm. Waterston would have played that. He played the same type of, you know, second degree boyfriend in September and uh, yes. uh, Hannah and her sisters. And to a certain extent, even though he wasn't involved in the relationship aspect, but crimes and misdemeanors, he was also kind of like a, a friend in need type yeah. of character, yeah. and, and that's certainly Liam Neeson. But what he does that he not only gets new actors who bring a completely fresh perspective and make this movie stand out more, make it feel more fresh, but also he finally really develops these side characters in his previous movies. What I would critique a lot of his 80s movies for, and I think why they lack the impact that this one has, because he wasn't as skilled or wasn't that interested in picking up these side plots. So the movie dragged in certain parts, even in something like Crimes and Misdemeanors. You really need that comedic plot line with Woody Allen to keep the movie going. Sure. Because after a while, the main storyline just dries out. Yeah, you're right, you're just right. Just a little bit stale. We're here, the movie's always alive. You, there's a lot of twists and turns. The script is great here. And these uh, supporting characters are like their own protagonists for their own storylines. They really go through a lot. And it, it doesn't develop the way you would expect on first glance. Like the couple that separates, and so they pull up and Judy Davis... You know, first, he's loving it. you know he has a younger f- girlfriend, and he really describes and you can relate why he's loving the situation because he was in this long, tiring marriage with a controlling wife, and it's just everyday little small things about. He wants to go home. He just wants to have fun, wants to relax. And his wife is just on edge. So anything that goes wrong, she flips out. Any small domestic thing. And he's like, you know, why do we have to argue about these small things? You know, we're grown people. You know, I just want to relax a bit. And now he's in a refreshing relationship. He gets back into shape. He's with a young, fun girl. But also Woody addresses that because their characters are best friends. And Woody Allen's character calls him out like, you know, you're dating – essentially a cocktail waitress yeah well judy davis's character is upset because she thought it was a the whole thing was an experiment but then she admits you know i kind of i kind of thought about being single for so long yeah and now i have the chance and then you know liam neeson's character comes in and that whole plot line kicks off and we learn more about him and how he plays into not only judy davis's life but mia farrow's life which brings a whole new dimension to her character and how she's not what she seems on the surface. You know, she's a bit more manipulative and has, you know, desires of her own. Yeah. And the whole thing, to me, is just great. And done with so much humor. One of the funniest scenes is when it turns out that, you know, Jack, which is Sydney Pollack's character, wasn't as faithful as you might think. So this is not exactly a clean breakup. And they get the same chick who, in the same year in Batman Returns, was the beauty queen she plays an ex-beauty pageant kind of prostitute escort in this whose number is given to Jack while he's still in his marriage.
0: Yeah, at the office, that scene in the office where he gives her, yeah, yeah, oh,
1: yeah. don't give me, don't give me the number. Just, yeah, don't give, I don't need it. Like Woody Allen's <laughs> character, is, again, it's great. They're cutting between the escort being interviewed and Woody Allen's yeah. character talking to a therapist about, well, I remember this one time Jack mentioned something about, you know, something out of the ordinary happening and the escort is just going along i'm gonna spoil the scene a little bit but go ahead go ahead it's just done it's really funny because he it is play completely straight she just goes through how things happened and he called me up and sounds very nervous i can always tell that first timers are very nervous and he came and he almost had a heart i he always had a heart attack and he said oh i don't know if i can do this and At that point, you're like, yeah, this is how I expected the scene to play out. You know, he was just lonely and he gave it a try, but he couldn't go through with it when he was actually at the point he was like, okay, I I, I have a wife. You know, I'm married. I can't do this. But then the scene goes on and she's like, well, after a a few months, he called me again. And at that time, you know, he slept with me. And from that point on, he saw me almost every other week. And then (laughs) I couldn't make it. So I sent my girlfriend and then he started seeing the both of us at least two, three times a week. (laughs) <laughs> and it just keeps escalating it. <laughs> she plays it so straight. It's, yeah,
0: it's deadpan. And here's the thing. Thank you for bringing that up because just like I said, I criticised Hannah sisters and Crimes of Missing Needle for putting a forced comedy element on the side that didn't gel well where here it's just natural comedy, not forced, just part of the natural conversation. And I'll even jump there right there with you. Another comedic scene I guess this is questionably comedic but more dark comedy is basically where Liam Neeson and Judy Davis are having sex and then they hear something and they come downstairs and then they see these characters that's come in and they have this mad argument where they're like oh come downstairs <laughs> let's all talk about it it's, 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 it's semi-serious but it's so over the top and ridiculous and you know and then I think that's the scene. There's a scene that follows that. Where I've, no, actually, I'm confused the situation. It, 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 it,
1: it's, it's beforehand because, yeah, you know, yeah. basically Sydney Bullock's character, his he's, story. He's losing line his is, mind.
0: He's losing his mind Yeah, Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. His character is, you know, uh, trouble in paradise.
0: For no reason. And that's the thing that the movie, he just has enough of the woman. And I think they wrote the story. Like, there might have been a reason, but he just... I think as, as soon as he hears... That's what happens. As soon as he hears that his wife is moving on, Instantly, his his tone just changes, and then there's a scene where he's at the part of his girlfriend. He hears about his wife seeing someone else. And there's a scene where he's trying to leave the party with his girlfriend and he's dragging it into the car. And a fun fact about the movie, when they were shooting the movie, that they, they reshot the scene multiple times. I'm not sure why, because maybe Woody wanted more intensity, more drama. But it's, pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty uncomfortable scene because it goes on for a bit. He's trying to drag her in the car. He drags her, she gets out. He drags her in. She's screaming, kicking and screaming, drags her out. It's really rough. And it's one of the most... You know, this, this is, there's only one scene in Woody Allen's filmography that tops this. It's that rape scene in Interiors, your favorite movie. <laughs> Where one of the sisters goes outside and she gets raped by one of the other husbands. And it reminded me of, that's one that's one of the other times Woody got really dark with an altercation with a, with a couple. Yeah,
1: but this one also has a, a funny element to it because, you know, uh, Jack is dating this young girl who gets drunk and Start talking about the moon and you know, star signs and Scorpio, and you can never mess with a Scorpio with all these older intellectual people. He was using that as an excuse, he was just using it as an excuse, yeah. But that's what makes the scene real, and you can really laugh at reality. How if you were at the party, you would be like, Oh, these two, they're at it again, out in the parking lot, yelling at each other, and they're really going up there, cussing each other out. And she's like, I don't want to have to do anything where you're stupid, pretentious, like, oh, shut the fuck up. Come come on, get in the car. And it's a great scene, man. I loved it. I think it needs to be that raw and, you know, that real to fit in the movie.
0: It was a good choice. And it was really nice to hear that Woody Allen actually did that on purpose. And, you know, I like Woody's thought process on this whole movie. I want a high, true drama about couples. I want to keep it raw. I want there to be swearing. I want it to be rawly cut. I want it just to be off the cuff. I want it to feel more realistic. And it worked yeah. so well. And we did praise all the characters. So we do have to get to one that, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, but I just want to say the only thing that would have made that uh, parking lot scene even better, the only thing that could have improved it if he wrote uh, Michael Caine's character from Hannah and Her Sisters in that, and he would have came out and said, uh, "Are you two okay? To, would you like a cup of tea?" And then he just gets knocked the fuck out. Like they just punch him in the fucking face. Like fuck oh, you man. and your tea. I don't know why he hated Michael Caine. It was charming.
0: <laughs> it was funny. He was uh, yeah. I, he, was, I, I,
1: he was from another fucking planet, man. <laughs> yeah, he was a bastard though. But
0: let's talk about Mia Farrow. Now, here's the thing about Mia Farrow's character in the movie. To be to be honest with you. She doesn't do anything she hasn't done before. She's a good actress. And to be honest with you, that argument she has with Liam Neeson near the end where he's like, you care too much, you're smothering me. It was the same argument she had with, <laughs> with the guy you just said from Man of the Sisters.
1: Michael Kane. Yeah, yeah for Michael, Michael Kane. It's the same yeah. argument
0: at the end which was really funny to me and I don't want to take anything away from Mia Farrow because I think this was a good high note for her to leave on this movie very memorable but to be honest with you she's not the standout of the movie at all she's just done a really good performance but again
1: more of the same but but, but that's due to the, the movie being very well rounded and everybody being very strong sure but uh, I prefer you know a million years to Hannah on her sisters because A her character is proactive in the plot so yeah. things aren't just happening around her that's true and B, that's kind of like the flip up. We learn so much about these uh, characters and uh, they are completely different people in our eyes by the end compared to the beginning. And we understand them more. And what we understand about her character, that she's one of those women that doesn't like to be happy. Like she always needs a problem. There's one scene where Woody's character is actually going through a transition phase and he offers to finally bite the bullet and he's like maybe we should have kids you know maybe we should we should consider having sex without protection and, and she immediately flips like that's what she wanted the entire time that she's like you know i don't know it's like she's fantasizing about liam neeson immediately well like, that's that's I why i know.
0: thought she changed her mind because i thought was after she met that she was
1: before that she was open to it but after she met neeson she was like no fuck woody now Nah, but that that scene in the rain shows that she she is really attention seeking but sure. not in a heinous way that the movie yeah. doesn't just paint her as a stereotype oh like she's a woman she needs attention you know That's cry true. baby no no yeah. it's like she just shows that they have her ex-husband like the first husband is finally in the movie again just while she's at the therapist oh dump-
0: yeah I forgot about that oh my what god
1: she's at the therapist dumping on this guy Like, oh, he's not romantic. He gave me an appliance for my birthday. And you hear it from the other person's perspective. That's comedy. Yeah. And it makes the movie even more real that every story has two sides to it. And nobody is really right or wrong. Yeah. It's just the way it is where the husband goes like, well, A, I gave her a camera that was really expensive and useful. And B, she asked for the other thing I gave her. Yeah. She asked for it. I'm like, I asked you, what do you want? And she said, I want this. I'm like, okay, here you go. It really just shows you his thought process and her thought process. And at the end, the guy just nails it. He says, she's passive aggressive. She kind of gets what she wants in the end. She just pretends that she's unha- she doesn't want and she doesn't know what she wants, that she's unhappy. Yeah. And that scene where Liam Neeson is going through like a deep internal moment where he still has feelings for Judy Davis's character who obviously gets back with her husband after the big drama scene. Hmm. But at the same time, she like getting together with me, a pharaoh's character, he needs some space, some time of his own to, you know, be his own character. And then she just flips out immediately, no patience, you know, all that, yeah. I'm there for you, I'm behind you 100%, take all the time you need to know. She's like, look, you don't love me, you don't love me, I don't want to see you ever again. She just storms out, you know, turns off her brain, it just becomes impulsive. And Liam Neeson has to run after her in the ring, like, no, 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 please, wait, I'm so sorry, it's all my fault. That's exactly what she wanted, that's what she likes, she wants to be miserable and she wants somebody to run after her and just say oh it's all my fault it's not your fault i'm i i said something i shouldn't have i was, I was dumb please forgive me i don't disagree with you
0: i just i don't i think she does it kind of um subconsciously i don't think she does it maliciously i, I think you said that anyway
1: I, I think she does it a bit subconsciously the, though. the world's greatest liars are those who actually believe their own bullshit
0: Okay, well, it's a good saying. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. So, honestly, I want to say this. The reason why we spent so much time talking about the characters instead of the movie itself, the story, this is a character-driven movie on its own. And when you talk about the characters that we have, you've really covered the movie. And honestly, there's not much more to say except for, I noticed Woody Allen can't help himself. Had an Igmar Bergman that we need to watch while strawberries. He actually said that in the movie. <laughs> I think he bought um. Juliette Lewis came to his house and he was like, let's watch the Igmar Bergman movie. I was like, for real, he actually referenced watching the Igmar Bergman. He just he just can't help himself. And uh, there was one more thing I can't remember, because honestly, we've gone on long and long on about this movie. Oh, actually, yeah, my negative. There's only one negative I have for the movie. And to be honest with you, it's just an effect of the, the style of the movie. The flow of the movie, I think it's kind of intentional. It has a kind of a weird flow, because you, when you're watching it, it starts out one way and it jumps to all the characters by the end of the movie. And it just it doesn't do it in a straight line. It just zigzags across everyone. So when I was watching the movie the first time, I, was, I couldn't really feel the direction of the movie. I just thought it was kind of bouncing everywhere. But by the end, you do see the full picture. So I was going to criticise the movie saying that. I thought it was kind of um, inconsistent in its direction and pacing. But to be honest with you, by the end, I can see the full picture. And I'm like... No, it was intentionally done. You know the camera work, the editing, all of that. Done. That's a that's a byproduct of how the movie was made. At the end of the day, and ultimately, it works. Just the first time you watch it, it might just seem a little bit all over the place. But
1: yeah, I yeah. just
0: I think it works to its advantage. At the end of the day, the movie is to some of its parts. It's it's fan, absolutely fantastic. And honestly, for it being the last film that Mia Farrow was on as Woody Allen's muse because of the controversy. It's, a good, it's, it's really a very memorable movie because of the way it's shot, I think it ages very well. When we actually spoke about Scenes from a more, how nice does that look? That looked so goddamn nice. And on top of that, if you want to talk about movies that deal with marriage drama, Scenes from a more is the antithesis of how not to do that shit. This is how you do that shit. So oh, yeah. <laughs> the contrast yeah. is night and there's like pearl white to black tar the difference between these two movies and you know i don't know what else to say it's definitely one of woody allen's best movies i'll be surprised if by the time we finish i, I will change my mind on that but i was i'm not surprised it was nominated for two oscars obviously judy davis got one and woody allen got off for of the screenplay of course again very well received you look at the scores on one again one of the most highly praised in a lot of top tens for good reason and although it came at a very traumatic time woody allen's life it's a great movie and it helped the marketing of the movie. So,
1: you know. Yeah, it all works out in the end, doesn't it? It really does. All the movies we spoke about that are very beloved, especially Hannah and her sisters, and to a certain extent, Crimes and Misdemeanors. I'm like, this is really what the movie that is like the ultimate version of this yes, type exactly. of story. You know, this is the golden egg. That's what I said. He even takes some chances that are really great. This is really scenes from a marriage. You know, because we jump all over the place with time. So he actually does some very bold, rough edits mid-scene where we jump in dialogue. And it it works because it sets you up for this pace of the film where it can jump at any given time. Just see a small snippet of a conversation. And you may see a follow-up to it later that happens, you know, five minutes later in the conversation. You know, we jump ahead a bit. But at the same time, it makes the movie more relatable. Like, oh, I had a conversation like that. And then this happened afterwards. And then you learn what led up to it or what the characters were feeling. And then you have a flashback to them with a in a previous relationship or a previous point in time. And it just all works. And mm. this is what I like about the 90s. I think Woody Allen really grew as a director. And he takes chances. And it all pays out.
0: Yeah. You know what, Simon? I'm not surprised you said you thought this one came later in this, later in this decade. Because... From my memory, we'll get to over as we go along, the middle of this decade, there's a lot of kind of meandering mediocre movies, but by the end, when we get to the end of the nineties, he comes up with some hits. And to be honest with you, this one is a wicked starter. This is a very beginning cherry. A very nice sweet right at the beginning some little media meandering ones in the that we'll get to and by the end of the decade we're going to get some really great ones as well and i just love it that in every decade woody's got some fucking nuggets and this is one of the crown jewels of the nights for woody allen so guys if you're listening to this this is one of the best woody allen movies me and simon both agree i would highly check this one out but if you've seen the movie and you, i don't know you disagree you don't know let us know in the comments down below uh, have you got any part and words worse this one simon
1: well, you know, I like Shadow and Fog as well, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of torn which one is better. But yeah. hey, <laughs> just, I, I did like that, though. I, to me, he already started, you know, on his comeback with that movie. But we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see how the decade pans out. But yeah, definitely <laughs> a pretty strong one. Out. That,
0: shit, that shit ain't going to be in your top 10, Shadow and Fog. We'll see. I doubt it's going to be in your top 10 when we're done, though. We'll see. We'll see. All right.
1: I think we're good here. I think we're good to wrap up.
0: Well, just before we wrap up, guys... I'm going to let you know in advance. Me and Simon have been talking about something for a while.
1: Well, you have been talking and I tried to say no, but, you know, you won't take no for an answer. Guys, on the next
0: discussion, we are not going to talk about the next movie. We're actually going to stop and we're going to talk about the Woody Allen controversy with Mia Farrow. And before you roll your eyes and think, oh, you're just doing that for the hits, you just want to gossip, that's not it. From the moment I started this podcast, people were criticising us, people criticised Woody Allen, and I don't think... In some directors' careers, they have things happen in their lives. Actors as well. Woody Allen. This this thing that happened to Woody Allen is so. I don't. I don't even know the word because, as we said, he makes movies about this kind of thing consistently. And for your life to imitate art in such a detrimental way. On top of that, is such a fucking spectacle in terms of film history, in terms of the effect it had, on terms of how people looked at him. People still criticize him for this to this day. And to be honest with you. Ha- what happened to hi- to him, this whole controversy with him, Sung Ying, and his, uh, his adopted daughter, it taints his career. He even said that himself, and honestly, I don't want to sidestep it. I don't wanna, just want to talk about the Woody Allen movies and act like, oh, I'm a, I'm a super fan of Woody Allen. I'm just going to talk about his movies because I love Woody Allen so much. No, because honestly, I have a lot of things to say about that situation, which I don't think is right. I think he did a lot wrong there, and honestly... I just think it would be really weird for us not to talk about it at all and just talk about the movies. Honestly, it's just not who I am. So I'm going to keep it real. We're going to talk about it next time. It's going to be a whole podcast just about that. So if you don't want it, if you're not interested, you feel like gossiping, then, hey, that's you. But honestly, it would be really weird, I think, if we just sidestepped it and just moved on with, with the retrospective. And honestly, I think it's noticeable the effect it has on Woody Allen's life.
1: Also, I want to highlight that just in case you can't count, it was 25 years ago. I mean, it's not exactly recent news. And also, uh, Don over here actually sent me some homework to prepare for this damn, you know, episode. And let me tell you, some of the some of the background information was going down is freaking crazy. I mean, it's actually very entertaining to go through all the craziness and all the shenanigans that was going on. It really is like a movie on its own. Honestly.
0: I guarantee you, Simon, someone's going to make a movie about Woody Allen because his life is just too insane. I mean, especially the controversy.
1: Oh, yeah. That, that, that's like a last day of John Lennon level of, of crazy where you yeah. couldn't write a script and nail something that were there are just so many things, so many coincidences and so many things coming together where it really just feels like a play or a movie. It feels too crazy for real life
0: yeah and guys this isn't going to be one of them ha ha let's make fun of Woody I, I, I don't I'm not, I don't find sexual abuse funny I don't find uh, the cheating funny honestly I just want to have an honest discussion it's going to be somewhat funny because we're funny guys but honestly it's going to be a serious conversation if it's too much for you or you're not interested to find skipped episode but you know what's coming next week so Simon let's leave on that note thanks for joining me on this one as usual son
1: that's so good that's so good I'm going to prepare now um, the court cases you know study <laughs> that because <laughs> even then th- even then just goes so freaking crazy I mean it's going to be interesting next time
0: there's so much articles we're passing through and when we do guys I'm going to put all the links in the description on that one so guys anyway thanks for listening give us your thoughts on this movie as well leave everything in the description down below YouTube podcast what have you don't forget we have got the website woodyannanretro.com go there for all the other things in the retrospective subscribe to the channel on YouTube and on podcasts as well. Annotations are on the screen if you're on YouTube. And until the next recording, we'll say see you later.
1: See you later.